Hello, I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. Our topic today on Philosophy Talk, prostitution, or sex work, as some prefer to call it, John. Well, prostitution, sex work, that's a huge area, lots of things to talk about, but the, the philosophical issue must be whether selling sex is an intrinsically immoral activity. Well, there, that is one issue, I mean, but some people think that even if it's intrinsically immoral, uh, even if it's not intrinsically immoral, the social consequences of, of it are so bad that the extrinsic uh, morality of it says, forbid it, prohibit it. But then you could come back and say, well, it's the fact that it's stigmatized that makes it degrading, and that's responsible for all the bad social consequences. So let's get straight about the morality of it before we go anywhere else. Oh, these are, these are important questions, John, and we'll, we'll dig into them when Philosophy Talk continues after the news. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're coming to you from the studios of 91.7 KALW, San Francisco's oldest, most innovative public radio station. Continuing conversations that begin at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus. And from there, they migrate to the air, and from the air, they migrate to the Internet. And you can, con you can uh, follow up on this conversation after the show by visiting our blog, theblog.philosophytalk.org. Well, Ken, today we're going to be talking about prostitution. Prostitution is, some say, the world's oldest profession, and yet it's engaging in a in a revolution due to the world's newest technology. Well, prostitution on the Internet is ubiquitous, and you find it all the time. Well, I don't know if you can actually engage in prostitution on the Internet, but over the Internet you can find out information about prostitutes, make appointments even in Las Vegas, I gather. Well, philosophically, what are we going to talk about? There's so much to talk about with prostitution, and a lot of it is, I mean, as an institution, it's clearly in many ways objectionable, smarmy, has to do with the degradation of women and so forth. But really, at the basis of this is one individual buying sexual favors from another. Is is that really immoral? Isn't that the question we have to focus on? Well, that is certainly one question we have to focus on, and some people think that sex is the wrong kind of thing, intrinsically the wrong kind of thing to be bought and sold. Well, we ought to begin then by making one of these old philosophical distinctions. Uh, is, a, is, is selling sexual favors intrinsically wrong, as some people say, or is it only instrumentally wrong? It's just that the institution has such bad consequences that it needs to be avoided and eschewed even though if you could eliminate the consequences, the act itself wouldn't be objectionable. And some of those consequences, you, you think, are what? Venere the spread of venereal disease, the, uh, the violence against women. I mean, but there's also the intrinsic degradation of women and their sexuality, which maybe you couldn't eliminate, even if you could eliminate the venereal disease and the violence and all that. Yeah, but the question is, does prostitution involve the degradation of women because it's stigmatized, or is it just the stigmatization itself independently of whether it's immoral. That is to say, uh, it, do the bad consequences come from its being immoral and therefore stigmatized or just because it's stigmatized? Right. You think that if we could... So we have this prohibitionist attitude, at least in this country. I mean, in many places around the world, prostitution is legal and regulated, even taxed, and so part of the, the above-ground economy. But you, you're, you're suggesting that 
perhaps the degradation of women, the degrading nature of it is connected with our trying to keep it in the closet, keep it locked down, not provide safe conditions. I mean, is, is that so we make it worse by by uh, by criminalizing it? Is that, is well, that what I'd say, to, to be honest, the position I'm attracted to is that there's nothing intrinsically wrong with sexual activity between consenting adults. And the exchange of money uh, as a motivation for one of the partners doesn't doesn't change anything. Uh at the same time, if you look at the institution of prostitution, all things that's connected with pimping, uh, child pornography, and so forth, that's a bad thing. So that, a clear-headed approach needs to keep both those things in mind. I certainly think you're right about that. You know what? One of the things that might be valuable for us to hear are the voices of uh, prostitutes or sex workers themselves. Not many people hear their voices, but our roving philosophical reporter, Amy Standen, went out and talked to some sex, sex workers. She files this report. I think I was either 19 or 20, I can't remember exactly, but it was 1998. And I started off in the industry doing modeling and also exotic dancing. Melissa Gira does S&M role play, phone sex, erotic massage, and other sex work in San Francisco. I ran away from home shortly before I started hooking. Tracy Kwan is the author of Diary of a Manhattan Call Girl. She spent 15 years as a prostitute and lives now in New York City. I went to London and I moved in with my boyfriend. He was supporting me, and he actually did his best to take care of me, but I wanted to be independent. So I was turning tricks behind his back, and that was the sort of move toward independence. But in a way, it was a fantasy because I didn't, I didn't really need that money in order to survive. I was in college. I was independent for the first time for my family and had to support myself. And I, it was something I guess I've been curious about. Many young prostitutes are precocious people. They're not just victims of child molesters. Sometimes young people are attracted to the sex industry because they can't really be contained by the conventions of modern North American childhood. Part of my growing up really romanticized kind of the independence, being a free spirit, not having to answer to anybody, being self-sufficient. And also, you know, it was really sexy. And as a young person trying to find a sexual identity, I think that really appealed to me. I was not, you know, connected to, I didn't know any madams, and I had no idea how the business worked. And I just did the more obvious thing that came to my mind. And I went to hotel bars. Later on, um, I came to New York, and I started working as a real call girl. I don't think a lot of people understand how much control sex workers have over their interactions with clients. You can say, like, we're only going to do this kind of sexual activity under these conditions, or this sexual activity is off the menu, it's not happening, and don't even call me if that's what you want. Here's your money and, you know, be on your way. I didn't really feel shame, like sexual shame or occupational shame. I didn't feel that way. I just felt from a practical perspective that there were some people who were going to get very upset if they knew about it. And I kept it a secret from my parents because I didn't want to upset them. So it's more of a survival kind of issue. It's just, you know, it's going to cause more trouble than, than it's worth, then you don't tell people. You know, I think everybody would acknowledge that it's totally reasonable to say, you have really great skills as an artist, you deserve to get paid for your art. You're an outstanding therapist and do really wonderful community support and mediation. You're putting a lot of yourself on the table when you're doing that, but for some reason when it has to do with sex, you're not allowed to put that on the table. And it's, I think, because people don't even think of it as real work. They can't imagine that it's actually a job or a skill or something that requires talent or, or training or study or any kind of support. And so the idea that you would call that work is almost, that's what's really upsetting to them. The law has more of an impact on our ideas about morality than we realize. We would like to think that 
we create laws based on our morality, but it's a much more tricky relationship. It comes from this idea that your sexuality is this private, personal thing that you shouldn't share with anybody, except maybe someone you're in a loving relationship with, or take a step out further, having a really intense one-night stand with, because that's okay, sort of, in our culture, um, depending who you are. And sex workers kind of put that in people's face in a way that they're not ready to deal with, the idea that sex can be something that is just for its own sake. And that in and of itself might be scandalous or upsetting to somebody. You know, as soon as you start talking about business practices, a lot of the people who get upset about sex work tune out of the conversation because it's no longer as sexy or interesting. But more and more, that's what sex workers want to bring on the table is this is how I run my business. I'm an ethical businesswoman. I'm a driven businesswoman. This is how I retain my clients. This is how I invest my money. This is how I invest in my workers. This is how I improve their skills. And that's the kind of conversations we need to be having more of. For Philosophy Talk, this is Amy Standen. You can listen to the rest of this program by purchasing it at iTunes Music. Or for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.